Hey y'all, you're listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-betterment and self-development since 2016, helping folks to navigate through the journey of the unknown, the unexpected like a boss, but from a competently trained, experienced homegirl just like you perspective. Somebody that's going through the journey day by day just like you. Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, the Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back again with part two, episode 250 of this Tantra Masterclass with Tantra expert Jocelyn. Now, before we get started, even though it's a part two, and technically, you know, it's one episode split up, one long episode split up into two parts, I'm still going to give y'all my usual note of gratitude. So thank you for listening, boo friend. Out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are out there in podcast land, you choose to lend me your ears once a week for about an hour or so, and I hella appreciate that. I am super duper excited. I'm so excited. This was such a good podcast interview. I did not know we talked for this long, y'all. Like, first of all, we talked much longer. We talked double the interview time. But, you know, the on-camera or on-air um, stuff that we did was about close to four hours. I did not realize that. I thought it was maybe like three-ish, but no. My producer extraordinaire, Jason Academics Valerio, was like, girl, you know this is about four hours. And I said, ah, let's split this up. I don't want I don't want nobody to miss this or get knowledge overwhelmed. No, I want y'all to take this in, okay? Because this was such an insightful interview and I really enjoyed Jason's knowledge. And I really just enjoyed just his energy and his vibe. Again, he's one of my favorite masculines on social media and I really was grateful to have him share with the platform. So um, remember, if you're listening to this now and you haven't heard part one, do me a favor. Go back Go back. Please go back and listen to part one. I want you to experience this in the best way possible. Go back to part one. And if you like part one and you heard it, please leave a review. If your platform, your your podcast streaming platform has a review section, please leave a review for your girl. I would greatly appreciate it. I am really about shameless, positive self-promotion at this time. I want to reach as many aligned people as possible. I am in year five of spiritual homegirl work, and I want to make sure that I am reaching everybody that I am destined and aligned to reach. So I just want to make sure if you like the podcast, share with your family, share with your friends, share with your boo, share with your coworkers. If you like your coworkers like that, because you know, <laughs> it don't always be like that. But, you know, just share, you know, this, these podcast episodes and really help improve the quality of someone's life. OK, because um, that's really what I'm about with spiritual homegirl. That's my mission. I want to make sure that everybody is out here navigating the journey of the unknown, the unexpected, like a boss, bettering self and spirit from a homegirl competent, just like you perspective. I need to re-record that intro. Matter of fact, I need to actually tell Jason I need to re-record that intro. Well, I guess I got something to do now. So while I go re-record that intro, here's part two of Tantra Living with Jason, Tantra Expert. Okay, let me go over these questions because we can go back and forth on that all day. So let's see. This one says, peace and blessings. I hope all is well. I want to know, is Tantra sex like Reiki? Where did it originate from? Oh, well, that's a great question. Well, uh, Tantra yoga is what it's called. And yoga means union with God, just so that we're clear. So tantra yoga is, is a liberated form of you being with God. And again, it just so happens to be a place that you can bring it to the bedroom too. Um, but it's, it's a Taoist practice. It's, it's over 5,000 years old. It's a very ancient practice. So I don't know about Reiki, but... You know, my sense is, you know, Christ was doing Reiki back in the day when he was healing people and he, people would touch him and he'd be like, who touched me? Like, you know, that's all energy. And he, he would healing people remotely. Like there's stories in the Bible, like when people are like, oh, my kid, you know, they ride up on a horse, like, oh, my kid is home and they're sick. And he'd be like, by the time you get home, the child will be healed. That's Reiki. 
<laughs> I don't know. If you can't see that, that's Reiki. That's Reiki. Remote healing. Distance healing. It's just energy transference, right? So, you know, people like to get all these, you know, new agey things, but they're not really new agey. That's, that's been around from, from the beginning of time. Um, so it's a, it's a Tao. It's a Tao practice. Tao is um, T-A-O. Or some people call it the Tao. It's the same thing. It's an ancient Asian, uh, Asian Asiatic practice. That's where Tantra has come from. And again, it was about liberation. And what, what a lot of people don't know about the history of Tantra is that it was really for emperors and kings, like at the highest level. They needed to learn how to make love to their partners and all their concubines and all the stuff that they had back then without losing any energy because they had to govern. So a lot of the tantric art practices uh, and the things, some of the things that we teach, and there's a lot more advanced stuff that I don't even get into with this community because they're not ready for it. But the point is, there are some aspects that are generally directed just for sexual prowess. But it was really the tantric masters would come and they would teach the emperors and they would teach very, uh, like, I hate to say this word, but the elites at the time. Uh, and then that's when it really became prominent, all these, all these secrets and all about the herbs and things that you do and the breathing and different ways that you, you know, you clench your kegels and these exercises and how you circulate the energy. That's all, uh, that's all Taoist practice. That's Asian practice. Like, it's almost like Chinese medicine in a way. So that's how old it is. So to that person's question, I would just say Tantra at its essence is about true liberation how, how much more free can you be? Not just free in a bedroom, but there too. Um, free in a bedroom to use your voice, to, to speak up and say, this doesn't feel good to me. Liberation to say, baby, that feels great. Give me more of that. Like liber- liberated, liberated in your body, you know, because there's women who can't make love without the lights off. Like liberation, you're fully liberated. That's what Tantra is. And, and you, you walk around the entire earth that way. So it isn't just about the bedroom. I practice tantra with my grandkids all the time. Just the joy liberation, like joy, the pureness of laughter and presence. Being well, my, When I'm with my grandkids, I am locked in on those kids. They don't have to keep going, papa, papa, fighting for my attention. I am locked in with those kids. And that's part of the tantra practice. Like attentiveness, being present with your partner, hearing what your partner is saying. You know, I've had, I've had uh, a few women in my life uh, since, like, I have really come out about being a tantric practitioner. I hate to say come out, but <laughs> before I identified as a tantric practitioner, where women weren't even used to me looking them in the eye, just like looking them in the eye. I had a 50-year-old woman say, I've never had a man look in my eyes. And she's like, and we're, we're on a FaceTime at that. And she's like, I've never had a man this present in my entire life. She was married for 24 years. So when I am talking about tantra, I'm talking about being so present with the thing. Whether whether it's feeling the breeze on your face or when you're having that cup of green tea and you're feeling the warmth of the tea go from your throat down to your chest and then warm up your belly. Present with everything. Man, let me tell you something. The co- like, the, and as an artist, I can tell you like the colors of life. Like when you look at trees and you can really look at a tree, you'll see colors in a tree that you would never notice. You would have never noticed before. When you look at the the way the hair grows out of your partner's 
you know, eyebrows as you're looking at her or you're looking at him. Like the things that you notice that most people don't notice. You know, like I've had partners who are like, oh, that scar. Oh, you have a mole here. You have, oh, you have this. You have, they're like, I never, like on their own body, like I never saw that. That's what Tantra really is. It's about like zooming in in a micro way to everything that's happening around you and being fully with it. And again, when, when, when especially my guys, when you can bring that level of attention and care to your partner and in a slow and gentle way, man, brother, whew, that's all I can tell you. Because you can't see my face because you're hearing my audio. But let me tell you something. You want to change the game? You want to slow things down? And you really want to connect deeply with the woman? Start to learn Tantra. Not, not, for, not to get anything. To give. You understand? This isn't so you can become like a sex wizard and play games. This is so that you can give. Give of your full attention. If you don't have a partner in your life and you're working on your goals, give your goals your full attention. Give your dietary needs full attention, your exercise needs full attention, how you create your sacred space in your home, your safety, those things. Give it your full attention and you will see everything in life differently. But I can't tell you, I, can, I mean, I can tell you about it, but it's better for you to find out for yourself. That's my answer. Ooh, that's a bar. <laughs> so let's see, that's the next question. I think we already answered this, but the, the second question might need to answer. The first one said, what started Josh's son on his tantra, uh, tantra journey? Also, will he have more classes besides the 21-day challenge? Ah, that's a great question. Okay, so, you know, like I said, I have, I've always done this. Like, even, even down to lovemaking, like, I, I have always done Kama Sutra. I've always done that. I've never been the dude that's been like, oh, I'm going to break furniture tonight. I'm going to beat those guys. Like, I, I've never been that dude. Now, there is a place for some of that, some, un piquito, as they say, a little bit of that in relationship because there's a primal side to making love. There's, yes, there's some of that. But if it's overly distorted, it's a problem. When you're breaking furniture and all this kind of stuff and you, like you're hurting a woman and, and then some women ask to be hurt, like there's some, there's some healing that needs to happen. Here's what I know. The more healing that we do around our sexual sexuality and our sexual traumas, the less we'll crave those things. The less you will crave those things. And you don't have to believe me because I know I've probably got a lot of young people that are into a whole bunch of little stuff right now. But as you heal from the inside out, you will find that you don't need those things anymore. That you can take, you will take a gentle caress over a slap. You won't, you won't have a need to dominate your man in the bedroom. You, you will be able to merge with him in a whole different way. The ego doesn't even come into the bedroom. It's not about that at all. It's about how deeply can we connect? And what does that look like? It may not even, it may not, you may not even insert anything anywhere. You may just be so present with the woman. I've had partners in my life that have cried. 
cried while we're making love. And you have to be so into your, have such a high level of emotional intelligence, men, to in that moment be able to downshift and be with her. Because she needs you at a different level in that moment. And that's a whole nother level of connectivity. And most men don't know what to do with that. But other stuff may be coming up for her. You may be thinking she's crying because it feels good. And it may, she may not be crying because it hurts. She may be crying, crying because she just remembered something just unlocked in her. Maybe, maybe she had an abortion when she was young. And maybe she's being reminded of it in that moment. There is, and there's all types of energy deposits that women carry in the womb. This is why the womb is so sacred. It isn't a religious thing. Women collect their trauma, the trauma of the world, inside their womb. The aggressions of men. They carry that. So if you come with, with gentleness and pureness, and, and you're inside of her making love with her, you may hit a wounded area an energetical pocket that she did not know was there. I'm telling you what I know on this. And it will trigger something in her. And you have got to be able to shift in a moment's notice. And if you fail to do so, that woman will not feel safe with you. So men don't understand that. Women open and blossom when they feel safe. It's just like, you know, men can go from zero to 60. And I train men to slow the hell down because a woman takes about an hour with proper nurturing. She doesn't open and bud open and is ready to receive a man for at least an hour. And it's a man's responsibility, not from an ego place, to do everything humanly possible to get her to relax her nervous system. And she will naturally open up like a flower. But you have to create that environment for her. You have to be able to create that environment for her. So I really stress to my guys to move ego out of the way. Um, I have been practicing sacred sexuality for well before I knew what it was. So for anyone who does not know, Kama Sutra is Indian in nature, okay? But it's all those sexual positions. Um, but what people don't understand is every time, as an example, you're making love to a partner and you have to pull out to switch positions, you're actually breaking the energy connectivity. So even at an early age, I was able to transition from position to position, from position with ever having to come at, ever having to pull out of my partner. We were never not connected. I didn't know that was tantra when I was in my 20s. I was just doing that because it, it was natural. So, you know, to that question, I, I've always kind of been this way. And the only thing I can tell you is that it must be, it's trickle over from a past life. It's got to be. I, you know, I don't need to understand any more than that. I'm in this life now, and this is who I am right now, and this is the stage of my life I'm in. And I understand at a deep level the value of what I'm talking about right now. But, you know, that is how you keep, that's how you keep a partner close to you. 
you know, it's all about connectivity. So even after everyone has had their orgasms or their ejaculations or whatever, you know, it's a very poor idea to disconnect. You know, some people got to go pee or some people got to go make a sandwich or whatever. That is the worst thing you can do. There's still about another 20 or 30 minutes of connectivity that you both need. There's things that the woman needs. There's a certain way that you hold a woman after. And if you hold her properly in, a, in the right position, she will, man, she will give you all of your energy back and then some. So if you deposited 100% of all of your energy and presence and love and compassion into that woman, she's going to take that energy. She's going to amplify that energy. She's going to purify that energy. And she's going to give it back to you. So you might get 150%. You might get 200% of your energy back. And this is one of the reasons why tantric practitioners, they make a lot of them make love every day. Because it's a recycling of energy. It's like the man makes the deposit, the woman takes it, purifies it and in the way that only a nurturer could, and she gives it back to him. She blesses him back. But when you get up after sex too fast, you're breaking connectivity. So I have always intrinsically known that. So I can't tell you what my starting point was or when I actually became a tantric practitioner. But until I made that video and invited those guys to join me for that semen retention practice was when I actually stuck a flag in the sand and said, hey, this is what I do, and you're welcome to join me, and I'll show you, I'll show you what I know. This is all good game. This is one of the longest episodes I've done in a long time, <laughs> and it went, it, it, it's flowing so well, I didn't even realize two hours had went by. But... The second question was, are you going to offer any classes besides your 28-day challenge? Well, it's so interesting they asked me that because the answer is yes, but I'm actually pivoting more to working with men. So I'm working on some eight-week and 12-week programs that are geared towards men. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I, I love my ladies, love my ladies, and I'm so proud of all the women that, that, are, that are in our community that do this deep work. But there are a level of traumas that a lot of women, they don't even realize that they have when they join the towns. They're excited for other reasons, and they come in and are like, oh, shit. But I think it's very important as a tantric practitioner that there's some level of healing that women need to experience with other women. In other words... I don't recommend that a woman go to a man for healing, like for healing, sexual healing stuff, whether that's yoni massage or that's de-armoring or what, what there, are, there are certain limits, okay? And I'm, I'm just telling you what I know because there are guys that are wolves in sheep clothing that parade around, um, and I don't put a lot of attention on them, but I'm going to just speak to it because... Recently, I had some women approach me about some men in the so-called spiritual community. So that's why I won't even be like, uh, you know, I don't even talk about spirituality like that. We're all spiritual beings. Like, I don't have any big hang-ups about it. Right. But what I can tell you is some of these so-called spiritual leaders, these so-called healers are creating so much damage I want no part of that. Like, I'm not interested in that. I didn't show up here for that. That is not for me. So a lot of the times when women are going through my program, they realize they need a lot more support. And there's a line that I'm going to cross. And there's a line I'm not going to cross. So a lot of women are looking for more. I would, I would, I would caution any woman that wants to do any level of healing work 
down to certain types of massages. Do you really want to qualify the person you're working with? And if you can at all, avoid working with a man when, you, when it comes to healing sexual stuff. So that's a very long answer to say that a lot of women want me to go deeper with them. And my call is to serve men in that way, to help men get anchored in and embody their true sacred masculine provider, protector, those things. So I am creating programs, but they're going to be geared towards men. But if there are women that need referrals, I can I will only refer them to another female practitioner that I know and trust and have worked with. That's it. So uh, that's the answer to that question. I like that answer. And I'm glad that you actually shed light on that because um, I was wanting to figure out because sometimes when I feel things, I don't jump on Mike immediately unless the words come. And I have been seeing some situations with people that I'm fortunate to never have associated with. But I see yeah. situations where people um, are abused and they're yep. taken advantage of by these yep. so-called spiritual leaders or spiritual healers. And yep. it's like, and it kind of makes you not want to, even with me being spiritual homegirl, my spirit thing is not necessarily about a practice. It's more so about healing the actual spirit itself because we are one of the same. Spirit and human is the same thing. It's happening at the same time. It's not yep. It's not something that we just, one is better than the other. That's not even it. It's, it's all an experience. But I, I do see part of me sometimes makes me not want to be a part of the community when I hear about somebody yet again taking advantage of people through spirituality or their healer status. So I'm glad you spoke yeah. on that. And, you know, and it's and it, and the women and, and this is why it let me tell you something. There is an aspect of the feminine. Well, you just know I just honor and bow to the feminine. I love it. But that isn't going to take me off my masculine frame now. Okay? So don't get it twisted. Like, this ain't simp stuff over here. What I'm saying is I honor the difference that the feminine brain, the energy of the feminine is not the energy of the, of the masculine. So I honor it because it's different than mine. But what I will say and what I appreciate about the feminine in general is that when they realize that there's an issue, they're usually very zealous to go fix it. But in that zeal, you still have to use very sound discernment and, and high quality wisdom. So women, when they find out they have trauma, they want to work with somebody. So naturally they want to go, they, they want to get it, they want to address it, which is beautiful. But you still need to really qualify the person. And I, if it were me and I was a feminine and I wanted to heal any trauma or any wound stuff, or I wanted to expand in that way, I would be finding a female, a female guide, not a male guide. Just steer clear of it. That's why you don't even hear me. I don't talk about healer and all this stuff. Like, that's not my bio. That's not who I am. Like we all have, we all have the power to heal ourselves. So nobody needs to come to me for healing, right? So I don't, I don't even, I don't even wear labels like that. Um, and there's no judgment for anyone who does. I'm just saying be very careful because the more and more that's becoming popular, the more and more I'm seeing distortions, the more and more I'm seeing uh, transgressions, and the more and more I'm seeing people get abused and traumatized, manipulated and hurt. And that's not, if we're healers, then we, can't, we, should, we, we don't have any business doing any of that. So just use good wisdom and when in doubt, work with the feminine if you can. Again, I'm glad you further drove the point home because again, you're, you are right. When we, when we, at least for me, I can definitely say when I know that there's an issue, I'm like, yeah, let's fix it. The only difference is because I don't trust very easily, 
I will pause that's good. and kind of sit things out and say, okay, well, let me let me see who. And not to mention, I'm not really into going to strangers either. Like it's really a vetting process. I need to make sure that somebody knows. Is there a result you can tell me about or a test to or speak to before I even try to seek this person out? So I totally feel you with that. Um, yeah, and I also feel you with the healer piece because. Um, everybody likes to distinguish themselves. I'm a healer. Yeah, but so are the people that you're healing, quote unquote yep. healing. Like everybody has the power to heal. It's just some, sometimes I think we use those titles to kind of place ourselves over people. And I don't know. And that's kind of why I named it Spiritual Homegirl. Yeah, like I'm competent in what I do. But at the same time, I'm just like you in terms of we're all we're all figuring this out. Yeah, it's just that some I like of us that name. You do? I like that name. Yeah, because I, I think it, it, it speaks to exactly what I said. Like, how, how we start the call. I said, yeah, don't get it twisted. I'm still from Jersey. I still got that street in me, right? Right. <laughs> right? Right. Like, I don't want anybody to think I'm just over here levitating. Nah, motherfucker, I will flip you upside down if you piss me off enough. Like, I got both sides. Facts. So I like, I like the fact that it's, like, spiritual, but I'm still your homegirl. Like, I keep it real. Like, um, there's a description of Bible, and... It talks about like your head, that your your head is in the heavens that makes you no earthly good. It says something like that, which basically some people get so spiritual that they forget that they've been set down in this realm to be here, to be here. And that's why Christ was like he was with the he was with the adulterers, he was with the criminals. He was like yo, right? He was with real people, not not the so-called people. You know, he was with the real street people. And um, and I think that's a beautiful example. I think that's something we all got to remember. Like, we can never be too lofty. Like, everybody puts their pants on the same way, one leg at a time. Nobody in this world is better or beneath you. You understand? Like, so some of those distinctions and some of these labels, it just gets, it gets, it gets messy. I like the idea that you're like, I am this. I am that. I am yin. I am yang. I yeah. can be spiritual and I can be in the street. <laughs> That's what you should be. That's balance. <laughs> That's what no, that is. Legit, though, because I was looking at some of my clients, and I'm like, dang, I got clients from all types of life. <laughs> like, legit. Like, I've done, I've done healing circles with incarcerated youth. I have street dudes yep. that have been clients before. I have, like, it's just, I've had, like, women who are, like, you know, um, what's the word I want to say? They're like super highly educated. They make a lot of money. You know, like it's, I have I have clients from all types of walks yeah. of life, and it makes me so happy. Like I love that, yeah. and and, I, and I'm not going to change that ever. I never want to change that. No, and it's like even you know, and I didn't realize it when I was talking about the art shows earlier. Like I would have people who, like um, you know people come out from the magazines and, and the newspapers and shit like that, and they were like, you know, how do you get such an eclectic, diverse group? And until they asked me the question, I never even noticed. I just everybody's the same to me, and. It's it's like, yeah, everybody from all different sectors of life. And like you can just sit sit down on the ground and just let people, all different types of people come around you. It's the same as like if you sat in a the forest. They say that, and I have experienced this uh, more and more as I'm getting more grounded in myself. They say that animals can tell if you're, if you're a harmful energy or not. So if, if, if anytime you get around an animal of any kind and they're running away from you, they can pick up on your energy. But conversely, you know, we, we can as beings, our station really is to be able to go and sit in the grass and have birds and rabbits and deers walk right up to us, sit right down next to us without any fear. And I kind of think that that's what you're saying. Like when I sit, when I sit down, all different types of beautiful beings that are diverse and eclectic and, and individual in their own way 
come around and I'm kind of the hub and they just are all here. And I would say, absolutely don't change that. That's exactly what it should be. And Christ was the same way. He could rock with anybody. Everybody's so busy. And this, I'm glad, I'm so glad we're kind of having this conversation about, about the concept of Christ and, and just Christ and who he was. Because I think that because a lot of people um, reject the perversion of Christianity, I think a lot of them reject the, the, the Christ as well. And they kind of forget that. Christ is of love and Christ is of being able to kick it with everybody and be able to show love to everybody because there's a lot of church hurt involved. There's a lot of rejection of the quote unquote white man's religion. Reverend James Woodall and I talked about this on a previous episode. I'll, I'll leave the link to the show notes where we questioned where the white supremacy was rooted in Christianity, but we actually talk about the perversion of Christianity and how that is rooted in dehumanization and yeah. manipulation. But anyway, uh, but That's yeah, a good topic. I'm glad, and I, and I need to bring him back on because it's about that time um, to bring him back on for that reminder. But yeah, I'm glad you spoke to the Christ example because just being of love and being of being able to just step outside of yourself and who you think you are, right. and being able to just converse with the people and use your gifts to help them, same people as well as yourself, like it's really important. So I, mean, I, I get it. I feel you. Let me say one other thing about Christ, because, you know, it has definitely nothing to do with religion, though I was in a church from my 20s to my 30s. So I spent a decade in the church and and, and outgrew it and uh, then my evolution to Rasta and Yogi and everything that I am now. But but I take all of it with me, you know, like the parts that work, <laughs> take take what works right. and leave the rest. Right. right. But the one thing I realized in the church when I was in it, and I went to like a, like a Pentecostal, like Church of God in Christ, like, and I had a blast. I mean, I had, I learned a lot about the scripture there because I'd never read the Bible before then. So, um, and I had a really wonderful pastor. He was like a father figure to, for me truly. Um, and I could see that there were so many points of power that they were missing in how they would read and comprehend the scripture. And yes, Christ was love. But Christ also flipped over furniture. Christ also got angry. Facts. You know, right? So it's like like it's anger and sin not. Like he was angry at what they did. He addressed it, but he didn't grieve anybody in that. Um, but the one thing about Christ that I just love is that Christ consciousness. I mean, the things like the the things that like we see in the Matrix and things like that, Christ was actually talking about those same things. And he was always reminding you the power is inside of you. The kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Don't be out here looking for something external. It's inside of you. All the power is inside of you. And he was showing us, like, he could walk up to something and he could walk up to a fig tree and he'd be like, yo, fig tree, die. And that fig tree would die. And he was showing us by modeling that that's how we have, that's our power. We have the power in our tongue to bring things to life and, and kill things. And we have to be very particular about what we say. We got to know our power and we should be able to say something and get results. There was a lot of things about the way he lived, how he got up every morning and meditated while his disciples still slept. There were a lot of things that he did. He didn't stay away from the party. That, that whole story where Jesus turned water to the wine. Like he was partying. He was like having a good time. He celebrated. People think that he was like stoic and all this other stuff. And then obviously these ancient texts that show he was actually married, had a queen and did all this kind of stuff. But the point is, he's always speaking about Christ consciousness and our personal power. And if you take nothing else from it, if you take nothing from the Bible, but read everything that Jesus said and read, you'll be good to go because all of those instructions that we can even use in this realm. I use, that's my favorite book of all time. And there's so much power 
about who we are and how we should be operating out here in this in this realm. And it's all based on that example. It has nothing to do with religion. Zero. Has everything to do about our power as spiritual beings. Christ consciousness is a concept that um, in my midst of, I guess, rejecting, because you know, everybody kind of has a phase where they're rejecting things they were taught. <laughs> yeah. So in my phase of rejection, once I figured out Christ consciousness, I was like, wait, <laughs> like, wait, hold up. Okay. Yeah. It's bigger than just what, you know, going to church on Sunday and stuff like that. It's actually, Absolutely. It's, it's much way, way bigger. It's a whole different world in my opinion. Yep. Um, you know, cause we kind of create these traditions as humans, but um, to a degree, but um, yep. I was really like, you know, the Christ consciousness thing really stuck with me a lot. Um, so I feel you with that. I do. Yeah. I mean, are you raising people that have been dead for eight days? You going out to, you going walking on water, you going out there telling the storm to stop. Like all of those things were, and, and, and at the end, the last thing he told the disciples is like, and greater works will you do. Like that is something I will never forget. Because they were marveling about all the stuff he did. He was like, man, this ain't nothing compared to what you can do. And it's I, I remember like uh, watching the first Matrix and how Neo like was you know kind of how, how he was in the beginning, and then at the end, the, the last scene in the very first movie, if people can remember it, he's having this conversation, and then he's in a phone booth. He hangs up the phone booth, and next thing you know, you see Neo flying away. <laughs> I always remember Christ's words like, "And greater works will you do." He says, "So you tripping over what I can do." Shit, this ain't nothing compared to what you can do when you find out who you really are and where your real power comes from. Oh, it's such a good conversation. All <laughs> right, let me go forward with these questions. Oh, these, are, right, more, these are more sexual related. Um, oh, that's no problem. One, okay. two, three, four, five, five right. sexual questions. Okay. So question number one says, what can be done to help stamina in men and lubrication in women? Okay. All right. Stamina in men. A semen retention, ejaculating less, diet, exercise, herbs. So specifically, men need to be taking. Uh, obviously, check with your physician on any of this stuff. But herbs don't harm you. But, you know, get clearance if you're on other medications, all that jazz. But men need to be taking zinc. Zinc. Very, very important. Men need to be taking zinc. There is a great herb called Tonka Ali, right? It comes from uh, like uh, Asia, very powerful. Um, definitely want to be taking that. Uh, men need to be having some form of nitric oxide in their in their in their uh, diet. That could be um, not like beets is a really good one, or they could take like a, a beet supplement. And I don't mean like a pill. Um, there's a there's a beet brand that's very popular. I can't think of the name right now. It's something beets. But anyway, it's a scoop of, of natural beets. You put it in water, you drink it. You need nitric oxide in your body. You need to be taking turmeric to reduce any inflammations that you may be having in your body. Um, what's, a, what's another simple one that I would recommend? Obviously, uh, ginseng is good, but, it, uh, but it's not as good as ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is a very powerful one. Maca root. So there are things that a man can do to just supplement herbal supplementation to help his endurance, his libido, things like that. Other things, sugar will fuck up his prowess. He will, it will fuck up his libido. Alcohol, smoking, stress, 
not sleeping, our bodies after 10 o'clock p.m., most of us need to be in the bed because of our circadian rhythm. There, our organs heal at different times during the, during the night. But one of the most important ones for men is the growth hormone, a factor that happens when we are sleeping. So for these guys who are on their purpose and burning the midnight candle and doing these like being a night owl, you are actually harming your hormones and you're, har- you're harming a lot of things. Your cognition, the way your brain functions, your nervous system, the way that your organs are healing at night. So rest, get a lot of rest. Hydration, exercise, there's certain exercises that men should be doing. Kegel exercises. I teach men on how to do various Kegel exercises to strengthen their prostate, strengthen their prostate. So I'm going to say this to the guys, and this is a check that you can do to find out what the station of your health is overall. Okay? So I'm not suggesting that you masturbate, but I am suggesting that you, that you get yourself to a place of hardness as an exercise. And then when you get to that hardness, do not ejaculate, but I want you to pay attention to your erection. Your erection tells you a lot about your health. Your heart health is connected to your penis. They are directly linked. So if you're having issues with your penis, ED, or in this exercise that I'm talking about, um, Maria, I, you can see me, right? Right now, right? Can you still yes. see me or no? Yeah, okay. I can see. All right. So a man's erection tells him a lot. Okay. I'm 52, so I'm have my hand, my finger out this way because that's where a man's erection should be. I am 52, and my erection is here. Sometimes it's up here. If your erection is hanging down, you're in bad health. There's something going on with you. So it's a holistic approach. It isn't just one thing. It's a holistic approach. Blood flow is one of the number one reasons why men are having, um, and, and, and this, is a, this is something that is crazy. I am seeing 23-year-old men that cannot keep an erection. I am double their age, and I have zero issues there. They're getting younger and younger. 23, 21, and they have ED. It's a holistic thing that they have to look at. So one of the big things, I I work with my guys on that. I have a whole video around sexual health. There's massages. There's things that you can be doing to stimulate blood flow. There's a lot that can be done in that area for men. This is a long answer, but it's a big, important thing. I can promise you, if I if I am working with a guy and he's having an issue in any with his with his sexual function, I can promise you I will find out what that thing is by by question and answer. By the time I'm finished with him, we're gonna have a good plan about how we can fix that. So the second part of that question was what again? To increase what can increase uh, lubrication in women? Okay, well it could be a few things. I was about to say, I got my little answer at the end, too. Go ahead, go ahead. There there are some women who are naturally a little bit drier on the drier side, which is just, you know, that's that's fine. Uh, I would say to the woman to hydrate a lot more because a lot of times it has something to do with dehydration on a lot of levels. Most times people think that they're hungry and they're not. They're they're dehydrated. Uh, Thirst, when you're really thirsty, it will look like hunger. So the rule of thumb is to drink more than you eat. 
obviously, if, if, if some women have just, they just need more lube. So you have to invest in quality lube to help her. But I think one of the biggest things that will help in this area is men have to slow down. Men need to learn the importance of arousal energy and taking their time to help her body relax so that her body can do what it naturally does. If she is carrying any stress, any anxiety, any fear of any kind, if she's not fully lost in the moment and her body is not fully relaxed, that would be a primary reason for that. So not the only, but a lot of the times, it's because the man hasn't taken enough time with her. And you can add anything that you want to add to that. Well, if you're doing everything correctly, like Jocelyn said, in terms of taking your time and things of that nature, I will pay attention to stress. Sometimes yeah. we'll be in our head too much when we're with our partner and we will stress out. And it's hard for us to get in the zone. And it's really, it's, and then sometimes it ain't even him, it's you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's A lot one. of the times. A lot of the times. Also, diet. If you eat like trash, lots of breads, lots of sugars, that probably has something to do with it. Like yeah. Jocelyn said, uh, Jocelyn said, hydration. Drinking, I think personally, like they always say, drink like your um, half your body weight. I don't know if that's true for people, but I know for me, trying to shoot for a gallon a day is just good in general. Not necessarily yep. just for sex and lubrication, but just in general. Uh, also, um, macaroon, be careful because macaroon will have you out here <laughs> on freak freak mode. So you got to be very careful with how much you take. Um, also, you can make like a, a, a raspberry leaf tea with like black cohosh. Again, be very careful with how much you're using. Chamomile, like really like, you know, cool out and then check your hormones. Maybe there's a hormonal imbalance that you might need to go to the doctor for it too. So there's different or, or a naturopath or holistic healer, whoever you want to go to. You know, yep. so there's some different factors with that. But let's see, what's the next question? The next question says, well, I mean, I feel like you've answered this already. Then let me know. How does senior right. retention help a spiritual awakening? I mean, I feel like you've answered that already. Yeah. It will, uh, it will, what it will do is it will help you get you clear. So part of the reasons why I believe a lot of people are not more spiritually awakened than they could be, because we all have natural true potential, but it's up to us to move into that place and t really tap into that potential. A lot of the times when it comes to spiritual awakening, we're, too, we're just too distracted. We're too busy. We don't know how to sit still long enough, and we're too distracted. So one of the primary benefits of semen retention is going to get you clarity, and it's going to slow you down. And when, and when you get clarity, the awakening happens naturally. Like, I don't ever, I, I have never had to force a spiritual awakening, like in my own life. And I think when people, and see, this goes back to, okay, this is really important. Y'all, do your best. And this includes me. I'm always talking to me first. Do your best to not be so fixated on end results, like the end game. So it's a poor idea as a true yogi, because that's what I am. It is a poor idea to come to something, especially on a spiritual level, trying to have a kundalini awakening or a spiritual awakening or any of these other things. The fact that you're coming, even asking that, lets me know that you're on the wrong side of the fence. What you want to be able to do instead is to create a lifestyle 
that allows the awakening to happen naturally. That you don't even think about it. You're not forcing anything. You're not, oh, I want my kundalini to awaken. I want, oh, I want to have full body orgasms. Oh, I just want to have something so bad. The longer that you operate from that space, the further away that realization will be for you. It's like you're pushing it away. There is not any true master that has ever had a spiritual awakening that was trying to have a spiritual awakening. It doesn't work like that. A spiritual awakening happens when you surrender. And then the awakening will happen. And it will, it will be completely off guard. You will not be expecting it. You will be so zoned out and somewhere else. That's when it happens. Because you've released all expectations, all entanglements, all ego to have a thing. So I did not go into semen retention trying for any end game. The reason I started practicing semen retention is because I wanted to practice loving myself more deeply and I believed that that was the path to help me. And all I did was show up and surrender. And it has changed my life forever. So what I would say is, come to the practice. Only wanting to learn more about yourself. Only wanting to be able to let more go. And in that, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the exchange process of you releasing, outcomes and expectations and all these other things. And when, the more you let go, the more spirit will come in and will have its way. And it may not look like you think. So that's why we don't even have, don't even try to have any expectation about what it's going to look like and feel like for you. When it's going to happen, who you're going to be around, what would you be wearing, what, you know, what incense you'll be burning, none, like none of that. None of that. And um, what I would say is that semen retention will get you clear. It will help you focus. It will help you with your discipline. And it will teach you the true definition of self-love. And the more that you move into a space of self-love, the more you're opening up the windows for a lot of transformational things, not just a spiritual awakening, that and many other things to happen for you. So I would say go into the practice as pure as you can. Like sponge, just be open. And everything else will handle itself. Ooh, another good answer. The next question this person had was, does not having sex benefit women in the same way that it benefits men? Well, that's the other thing about people, uh, the tantra practice. Tantra practitioners have a lot of sex. What they're not having is a lot of, a lot of ejaculations. <laughs> That's a distinction right there. So we promote lovemaking, even, even during the challenge for the people who have gone through the challenge enough to understand the body mechanics and the exercises and, the, and how they control their energy and their breathing. There's a lot of things that you can do that you must learn first before you can go and you know, have sex and make love. So some people think it's all or nothing, the baby with the bathwater kind of thing, like throw out the baby with the bath. And it's not that. It's your level of sophistication and your level of training. So... It's. I want people to understand. It's. It's not that you take. You're removing something. 
you may be postponing it for a moment to let some other aspects of your life grow and flourish, but you're, you're not giving up sex. You know, it's not like, <laughs> you know, this hard chop. You know, because some people picture it that way. Was there, what was, was there a second part to that question? I want to make sure I got ask, ask me the question again. Just to make sure I got it right. Verbatim, it says, does not having sex benefit okay. women the same way it benefits okay. men? Okay. So the biological, not having ejaculation affects men differently than women. Obviously, women don't have an ejaculation. They, 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 have, they have an orgasm. Every now and then, there will be women that, that squirt and things like that, but that's a whole other thing that's coming from a different part of the body, okay? There's Amrita, which is, is like a, 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 secret, a secret fluid that comes out of women. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not um, squirting. It's something else, okay? But I don't want to get too deep right now. It's a secret spot. When I say secret spot, it, it comes out of the woman's vagina, but... but under like scientific studies, they can't figure out wh- exactly where it comes from, but it's called Amrita. If anyone wants to look it up, I think it's spelled A M. It may be A M A R I T A or just A M R I T A Amrita. But look it up, okay? So there's a distinction. I want to draw that distinction, okay? Um, so, so that being said. The practice of semen retention will help a man dial in in a different way than women. And again, a lot of it's hormonal and things like that. It just brings our focus in differently. I think there are equal benefits to someone who may be wanting to practice abstinence for a while. Because I'm not celibate. I'm abstinent. You know? Because I do have sacred releases. I, give, I have a schedule and I have sacred releases. I do have ejaculations. I also, in the meantime of that... During that other period when I'm not having ejaculations, I'm having orgasms. I know how to I know how to differentiate the two. Okay, so I, in other words, there's Justin has a lot of pleasure in his life, even without a partner, because I understand how to activate centers in my body that will allow me to have full body orgasms when I'm swinging in my hammock or when I'm reading a book. So, I just really want to make that distinction about the whole sex thing because. There are a lot of people that are having sex and they're still not having orgasms, <laughs> right? So it's going, it's going to, it's going to uh, impact people differently based on how they show up to the practice. I don't think there's a concrete way to say uh, men extract the same, uh, the same experience from women. I think the experiences are different for different reasons because we're different genders and where our biology is a bit different. Um, I, I, I have never really heard women say they have gotten clarity but not the same kind of clarity that a man gets when he's on his purpose, when he's in his creation mode. It's a bit different. There's some reconciliation that happens with women that doesn't happen with men. And again, a lot of it happens to do with the trauma and things that they carry internally. Because again, you know, the, the womb is, is a negative pole and, and, the, and, and the lingam or the penis is the positive pole. So we are making deposits and women are the hub, they're the collectors. And it's just, this is basic energy. You look at a battery, it's got a positive side, it's got a negative side. You got to put, to put the thing in the device one way, you got to put the battery in the other way. It's the same stuff. This is why, you know, a tantra is for any, any, any being because we are, and we are masculine and we are feminine. We have that. We have energy, our positive energy poles and we have negative energy poles in our body. So that's why, like, this is for everyone. We're all, we're all basically the same, but, but women have a different experience 
And again, it's and it's not just the withholding of sex that's important. It's the other things that you add into your practice to make sex, sex less important. And when I say less important, I mean it's because we are in such a hypersexual society. You know, and, they, and sadly, uh, we were talking about capitalism earlier. Everybody knows that sex sells, right? So that's why you see it in all forms of marketing. You go on a billboard, you see it there, you see it in all these videos, you see it in every song, you see it, you see it everywhere. So we are recalibrating the importance of sex with all the other aspects that people have forgotten and neglected all of these all of this time because they've been so fixated on hypersexuality. Um, so everyone's going to have their own experience, but I don't think the benefits are exactly the same, at least on a biological level. And I also have had enough women go through the practice, and what they have manifested often looks different than what men manifest. But I think there, that there's an equal measure of benefit for both genders. I agree. And my answer as a woman is that when you are not having sex indiscriminately, Mm. You're much healthier for it. Um, when you're having sex with people for the sake of just getting one off, yeah, I get it. And I'm not I'm not shaming anybody for feeling that way because, you know, sex can be primal. But when you're sure. just, you know, s- screwing just the screw, just yeah. to get it off, it to me it feels like it's almost like smoking weed to, to calm down or using a cigarette mm. to calm down or eating because you have an urge. Unless you deal with the root of that urge, yeah. that it's still going to be there. Like Salon said, I tried to sex it away. I tried to smoke it away. Like, you know, you can't, you can't screw your way out of whatever that urge is. So to me, it's more like the benefit is getting to the root of your issue. Yeah. You know, so. And it's so funny because, you know, as Rasta, you know, there's that old, uh, that old song from Bob Mons, like, you know, you're running and you're running and you're running away, but you can't run from yourself. Like you can't, you can mask it with all kinds of things. And this is one of the reasons you would be surprised the veils that come off of people's eyes in 21 days by just removing something as simple as sex. Just removing it temporarily, not forever. And if you cannot remove something, anything, TV, social media, sex, alcohol, if you can't remove something for 21 days or 30 days, that thing has got such a strong hold on you that you don't even realize. Mm-hmm. If you can't stop talking negative for 30 days, you things got a hold of you. So this is why I keep saying like it brings you back into a place, your a personal power, where things don't control you. You control things, which is the way it's supposed to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think that uh, I know this, and I don't think it. I know this because of the nature of work. I have done this so many times. Like, I know what I'm talking about here now. Like, this isn't theory. (laughs) This is experience. And I think that's another thing that a lot of people in the world right now struggle with because we're in this information age. Everyone's got a theory. Yeah, but you you have to test your theory. You test your theory by living life and having real experiences. So everything I'm telling y'all today is I'm speaking from life experience. I'm not thinking about something I read in a book or watched on some YouTube video. I mean, there's, there's a place for all of that, but nothing... Nothing supersedes real world experience. So everything that I am t- sharing with y'all is about real world experience. 
I'm glad you brought that up because I, as a person who works in mental health, as a mental health professional as well, like I see people find stuff out and they start diagnosing themselves and they start kind of yeah. making their their mental challenges a personality type. And I'm like, that's dangerous, y'all. Please stop. Because even though you're reading that, it takes an experienced person that's experienced different types of clients to really tell you whether what you even think is yep. true, whether it's actually factual or not. Feeling is one thing, but sometimes our feelings aren't, all, they're true for us, but sometimes they're not true in the context of how we're viewing them. So what they're I mean not the is, truth. Exactly. Right. So I really, I'm glad you spoke on the theory and practice because a lot of people are kicking theories and nobody yep. is talking about what those theories look like in actual practice repeatedly outside yep. of their own experience. You yourself, yep. you're talking about thousands of people, which what you do. So yep. I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, Let me tell you the story about that really quick and why it's so, and why it's so important not to self-diagnose. So there was a doctor and uh, this, uh, this elderly couple uh, came to see him. So the, the husband was in his 70s, the wife was in their 70s. And the wife brought the man to the doctor and said, I think my husband is, is, is starting to cross over into Alzheimer's or dementia. And the doctor's like, really? Why? And she's like, well, because he can't remember anything. And this, not the other thing. This is a true story. This isn't like a, like a made-up story. So, he's, so the doctor starts to evaluate the man. And lo and behold, he starts realizing that, yeah, there is some, there's some cognitive decline. But not in the way that would be textbook. So the doctor went out on a limb. And it, it pulled the wife to the side. He says, why do you think that he's got dementia? And she goes, because he keeps forgetting things. And he keeps forgetting things and stuff like that. He's like, okay. So when he forgets things, what do you do? Well, I remind him that he forgot it and I correct him. And how often are you doing that every day? So the woman's like, oh, it's, you know, probably six, eight times a day. Doctor's okay. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to stop flagging up that he's forgotten something or he's gotten something wrong. If he, do, if he forgets something, don't speak of it. Let it ride. Okay? Sends him home. Two weeks later, they come back. The doctor, the, the man walked in to the, now when he came in, he was, you know, he was looking all frail. And two weeks later, the man walked in, walking in different, could complete all his sentences, could remember all types of things. And the doctor concluded that the wife was self-diagnosing the guy, the husband. And every time he forgot, she would flag it up, she would reinforce it, she would tell him, I think you're getting dementia. I think you're getting dementia. I think you're getting dementia. And he was believing it. He like he was he was embodying what she kept speaking on him. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier about Christ. I'm like, Christ said, man, we got the power of life and death in our tongue. We gotta be careful what we say. She was speaking dementia on her husband, and he was believing it and acting it out. Soon as she stopped doing that. He stopped acting like he had dementia. So all that to say is, we are more powerful than we believe. We have to be careful about self-diagnosing ourselves because it's a trendy thing and we done read some video, we watched this and we watched that. Be careful with that. 
because every cell in your body is listening to what you say. If you tell your child that they ain't shit and they ain't going to learn or they're just like the daddy and all this, what do you think that child's going to do? The child's going to believe that they can't learn and that they're just like the father. Like you cannot do things like that. We can't speak to ourselves that way. And it goes back to the power of what we say. So please don't self-diagnose. Go to a trained professional if you have any real true concerns and let them, they have, their, they have a way of diagnosing people and that's what they do all day. But this, that's a real short story about the, the dangers of self-diagnosing, about anything. If you're with a partner and you think that they have ED, you don't tell the partner every time before you're making love, I hope you don't have a problem with the ED tonight. What do you think's gonna happen? You're gonna have more problems, creating anxiety. Performance anxieties. Most men have performance anxiety, believe it or not, because a lot of ladies have set the bar. They got to they have a big chest, a six-pack. You got to look like Tay Diggs. He got to break it down in the bedroom and give her multiple orgasms, and he got to go home. I mean, he got to beat six figures, and he got to drive this. That's a lot of pressure on men. <clears throat> and you wonder why men aren't performing well in the bedroom. So we have to really be a lot more conscious about stuff like that. So I'm glad that you bring that up and thank you for giving me space to say that. Be careful about self-diagnosing yourself. No, I'm glad you touched on that. I really am. Um, I love how this conversation has been flowing. Let's see. <laughs> so I have, I have two more questions from this person and then I have right. one of my own actually. Let's go. So the other question from that person is what position is best for sexual connectedness? Oh, it, it's called yin yang. And that basically is me, how I'm sitting right now, Maria, which is I'm sitting on the, I'm sitting on the floor in, in Lotus or Indian style, and your partner right across from you. So, fellas, you want to sit, um, you want to sit on the ground, and you want to have your anus on the ground. And the reason for that is, is because there's energy that comes through the ground, through the floor, through, through the earth, comes up through your, up through your anus, right, your, your first chakra, up into your second chakra, your third, your fourth, your fifth, your sixth, your seventh. Okay? So, then you sit there. And then you allow the woman to, 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 to straddle you. Let her just sit on your lap. Okay? Now, you can be inserted in her or not. It doesn't matter. The power is the same. Here's why this is such a powerful um, position. Because you're able to go chest to chest with her. Okay? So... Your second chakra, if you're inserted, will be connected to her. And your heart center chakra, your heart chakras will also be connected. Okay? There's a direct link <laughs> to a woman's yoni or a woman's womb and her heart. And there's a direct link to a man's lingam and his brain. Scientifically. So what men need to learn to do is be able to connect with the woman at the heart space. And the best way to do that is to have her straddle you, sit on you, and you just hold her and you be chest to chest. It allows you to sink your breath, which is something that we teach in our practice, right? You want to get to the point where you are breathing together, that you, are, that you don't have, your breathing is not erratic. She's breathing her way and you're breathing another way. The reason for that is because you will short circuit the energy that you're creating. So what you're able to do in that position is you're able to create a loop. So men, you will generate the energy. It will come up through your head, through your crown. It will go down into the queen and it will circulate through her body, through her second chakra, back down through the ground, back down into the ground from you and back through. So you will actually create a loop. It's called, it's called a microcosmic orbit that you can create with your own self or you can create it with your partner. 
The third aspect of this, which is so important, is eye contact. It's one of the, it's one of the secret tips in Tantra, is eye contact, that you never break eye contact with your partner. And Maria, I got some videos where I'm actually talking about that, where I'm like, guys, if, you're, if your partner closes her eyes and she starts to get lost, there's a technique that you do where you can tap your finger on her chest to bring her back to you. One of the primary ways that people become disconnected is the way that they're breathing. The second is lack of eye contact. So I want you to look at your partner the entire time. And all of these things in unison allow you to create the deepest levels of intimacy. So as an example, if the woman is sitting on you, fellas, that means you have access. You have your two hands. You have access. You can squeeze her t- beautifully, not breeze her till she can. You can squeeze her. That will help her feel safe. You have access to her neck. You can kiss her neck gently. Her ears are there. Her lips are there. Her eyes are there for you to look at. Her hair is there for you to smell and to caress. You can have one hand around her waist, another hand like sliding up her back to massage her scalp in the back. There are so many things that that position allows you to do. That is my number one position to recommend to couples. Doggy style, least. Least. Because it's hard for a woman, it's hard for you to keep eye contact. There's a way to do it if you're skilled enough. But it's 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 one of the lead, it's I know it feels good. Yes, there are certain there are certain levels of orgasm, a spot orgasm specifically that a woman can have if she's laying on pillows and she's she's in doggy style. Yes, that is true. If you real if you want to get her to that point, but one of the one of the things you lose is access to certain parts of her body, and most importantly, you lose you break eye contact. So that yin yang is a, yin yang is the one that I recommend. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that suggestion. Now, the last question from this person is, how can we channel our orgasms into manifesting our desires? Ah, okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe in, I don't, I, I don't believe in, um, and I know that's a, that's a kind of a new thing where people are using their orgasms on the full moon or the new moon and they're out there having an ejaculation and they're, you know, they're creating a vision board and they just, they, yeah, I think that's a distortion. What I would prefer people do is if you cannot, ma- okay, let me say it this way. <laughs> if the only way that you can manifest your deepest desires is to have an e- orgasm or an ejaculation with your clothes off. I'm just here to let you know that you're operating way beneath your power. Ooh. And that there's some room and opportunity there for you to learn how to manifest fully dressed. Manifestation does not have anything to do with orgasms. Manifestation has everything to do with the power of your vision and the power of your speech, which for the third time when I say, watch what you say, that's what manifestation is about. So you speak an affirmation, you speak it in such a powerful way that you believe it true, and then you move into a space of gratitude. That you manifest manifesting has nothing to do with whether you're dressed or not. It's about your power to believe. It is about your vision. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, where there are people who have no vision, the people perish. That's why you never want to follow a man without a vision. And I don't mean sitting there, what's your five-year plan? 
A man should have a vision and he should be able to articulate his vision even without you asking him. And that's the man you want to line up with. Because he, if he doesn't have any vision, he, he, will, he will drive off the cliff and take you with him. Which is why I'm always telling women, look at the behavior. And if a man's on his purpose, don't distract him. See how you can come up under and support that. And then rock with that dude. But it's your vision. What people don't understand is when you want something, okay, you have to speak and feel it in a way as if it's already here. I am healed. I am strong. I am enough. You don't have to wait until you feel that way. You have to believe it is already here. Believe it is always, it's already here. You have to speak at it like in a past tense, like it's already done. It's already here. So that's the first thing. And then what you do and while you're waiting for it to materialize in this physical 3D reality is you move into feeling as if it's here. So let's say, let's use money as an example. If, if you say, I want $90,000 on my bank account. Okay. Speak it. Believe it. Now, faith without words is de- without action is dead. So, faith without works is dead. So, you have to do something. Doesn't mean you sit on the couch and watch Jerry Springer and expect 90 grand to be in your bank account. That's not how that works. Okay? You have to speak it. Faith without works is dead. So, there's th- so you have to meet the requirement. After that, you just go into imagining what it's going to feel like or what it does feel like rather when you open up your bank account statement or you pull up the app and you open your bank account and there's $90,000 in there. The feeling of that, the joy in that, you, you, dan- you dance with that. So you proclaim it and then you move into the feeling of it. Maria, that's how I manifested being here. That's how I manifest everything. People get it wrong. You don't have to say it affirmation a hundred times. You say it once with conviction and everything else of that is moving into it. Like me being here in Puerto Rico right now, I manifested this. I know I manifested this. Not just because I came here six times, but every time I came here, I was deliberate. I'd go by the beach and I'd sit there and I would just sit and be like, this is what it's going to feel like to wake up here. Like I imagined what it was, how happy I would be, how giddy I would be. Because I laugh a lot. So every morning that I'm here, I literally, ever, ever since I got this place in August, every morning that I wake up, I wake up laughing. Because I already, I already envisioned that I would be doing I would go anywhere I'd go and I'd just imagine. When I got COVID last year, the entire, how I got through COVID was imagining what I was going to feel like when I was able to go back to Puerto Rico. That's how I got past COVID. I mean, I did a lot of holistic stuff too, but I was home alone so that I didn't lose my mind. I imagined I was in Puerto Rico. I imagined what it was going to feel like when I was able to go back because I like I got my apartment and literally signed the lease and flew and left. And I wasn't back for like three months. But I just kept imagining what it was going to feel like when I woke up the first day after spending my first night in this place. I was going to hear roosters. I was going to hear nature. I would feel the sun coming in through the window. And that's, that's what I 
hold held on to the entire time I had COVID. So for anyone who thinks that they have to take their clothes off again to manifest something, I'm telling you, you're operating well beneath your power. And that's trendy. I feel it's a distortion in the worst kind. And if you can imagine this being a 5,000 year old practice, I don't think that there were any great sages and any masters sitting here ejaculating by the window on a full moon to manifest. I mean, just think about how, how, how far things have gotten distorted when people you know, want to operate this way. And yeah, people talk about sex magic, but there's always been sex magic. But is it a distorted version of magic? Mm. That's the question. Woo! I was... That's that's one hell of an answer. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because there are like the thing about the, this journey, right? Is that I think sometimes we and I always say we because I'm never above what I say. I think right. sometimes that we find something we like and just go into trying to practice and not really doing the research. Right. And then you know it doesn't help that there are people that actually promote that. They're like they're, they're selling this idea that you can manifest. With your, with your orgasms. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things we could do, but is it, the question is, is it necessary? <laughs> is that, is that really necessary? And what I can tell you is it's not. It's not necessary. I mean, you, anyone can do that. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the results you want. But what I'm saying is, is it necessary? Is that is you? So you mean to tell me the only way that you can ever manifest? You gotta be buck naked with some candles and some incense, stroking <laughs> one out. That's the only way. <laughs> Work. That's all I hear. I just hear nothing but limitation. That's like that's another form of scarcity energy. Like that. That's the only way. No, there's only a million paths that lead to the same source. <laughs> Buddha, Muslim, Rasta. But also, lead, all these paths are leading to the same tree. <laughs> the same tree of life. So when I hear somebody think that that's the only way that they can manifest or that's a more powerful way than another way, that is completely, utterly not true. They have not tapped into their true essence. And they're, they're, there's more room for growth. So there's no judgment on the person who asked that question. It is a quality question that comes up a lot. And I'm just saying that that's a very limited perspective. And you're capable of more. Whew. So with that being said, that that wraps up all the the listener questions. I have a okay. question of my own. Shoot. So you mentioned well, well, actually, I had a, a, well two questions. This question okay. was actually brought up by the interview itself. I was listening, and I said, well, technically, could your tantra challenge assist with long distance couples, or do they have to be couples that are in each other's presence? No, we have a lot. This is a great question, actually. Thank you for mentioning it. Yeah, we have, we have a lot of people that, that are in relationship but not together. You know, and, and I think that's beautiful because, because so sex is already out of the equation, right? So what better way to formulate a healthy, healthy connectivity with a person when sex is already off the table? That's beautiful. That's really what you want. You know, I, I you know, People just jump in the sack way too fast, man. And, and there's some real detriments to that. And one of the things we didn't talk about that I meant to cover is every time you sleep with someone, man or woman, you are taking on their energy. Now, 
there have been some little TikTok videos where people are talking about it, but I don't think under people understand the, the the gravity of what I'm saying. So shaman know this best. They know that all the spiritual enlightened masters over their times, over the, all these years of time, have said that every time you sleep with someone, you carry the energy for a minimum of seven years. So let's use the scientific principle of the six degrees of separation, which now with the advent of social media is probably more like the two degrees of separation. But for anyone who doesn't ever hasn't heard of the six degrees of separation, it basically means this. We each know everybody else on the planet by six associations or less. I'll give you an example. Many, many moons ago, um, I dated a woman. She was amazing. And her parents both were a high-level military people, like high-classified people. And based on me knowing her and then me knowing her parents, so that's two associations, I actually knew a terrorist, which was Saddam Hussein. There would be three associations. How did that work? Well, her mother worked for the government, Pentagon. Her mother was over arms deals. Her mother sold nuclear weapons to Saddam Hussein when Saddam Hussein and America were cool like that. Her mother sold the weapons and traveled over there and trained his people how to use those weapons. So because I knew her, and then I knew her parents, I knew Saddam Hussein. And we all know everybody in the world by six, six associations or less. So everybody who right now doesn't think they know Oprah Winfrey, you actually do. There's six associations or less that connect you to Oprah Winfrey. And everybody else is all connected to. You so, know what? No, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear your thoughts. So if you can understand that scientific principle about the six degrees of separation, then you absolutely have to embrace the idea that every time you sleep with someone, there is an energetical transference of energy. You're taking on their energy, and they're taking on yours. But it goes deeper. You're not just taking on that person's energy that you met at the club that night. You're not just taking Tyrone's energy. You're taking Tyrone's energy and all the people that Tyrone has been with and all the people that they have been with so if you can imagine, it's like the World Wide Web. From one sexual encounter. Why is that important? Well, it is my belief, through all of this work that I have been doing for years now, that people are carrying energy that is not theirs. So what does that look like? So you sleep with someone, then you start acting paranoid. You sleep with someone, then you can't sleep. You sleep with someone, and now you're having suicidal thoughts. You slept with someone, now you're feeling anxious all the time. You're sleeping with someone, you slept with someone, and now you're feeling depressed. You're feeling aggressive. You're feeling this. You're feeling that. You're feeling all these things that you weren't feeling before. You know why? Because you're carrying energy that was never meant for you. So at the last leg of the challenge, we actually have two rituals that we guide people through. One is to clear your sexual past, because if you are not clearing out your sexual past, if you're not doing it, if you're sexually active and you're having sex and you're not regularly detoxing, you're carrying all types of energy, especially my women in their womb. But men, you're not exempt. Your psyche, you're adopting energy and thought patterns and thought forms that are not yours. 
So if you are not, so we guide people on how to clear their sexual past, and we actually teach people how to cut cords. And people think cutting cords is is a bad thing, like ah, you know, like you do it in an angry way, or like give me your, give me my energy back, and here's your energy back. No, it's a it's an act of compassion. I even guide my couples. Every month, you should be doing a cord cutting ceremony. And with the cord that the cord that you're cutting is the energetical cords, the attachments. So if you're in a relationship and you've been knock out, drag out, fighting, guaranteed you got some built up resentment energy that you're carrying that you don't even realize you're carrying. It would be a really healthy practice for the sake of your relationship to cut that energetical cord, to let that go. Because one of the one of the things I have realized that eats away a relationship like more than sex, more than money issues, more than all this other stuff is, is resentment. Resentment is like a cancer that eats away at the relationship. You, like you were talking about water, so powerful, like little drops, and next thing you know, it, it's created this whole cavern. Yeah, that's what resentment does too. And people don't realize it. When you have unresolved issues, when you have not effectively communicated about your hurts and your wounds, and, and if, you have, uh, if you don't practice nonviolent communication, and if you're not present and you're not clearing the field after you have a blow up with your partner, because that's part of being in a relationship, you are gonna butt heads. But do you, do you do enough aftercare to make sure that the resentment is gone from the relationship for good? Or have you just stuffed it away and you're playing it off because you know things are good right now? Like you gotta be really careful about all these things. It's you're collecting energy. So that was a very long answer to say that it is very important that we be circumspective. That's why it's important to take our time. That's why it's important to really, you know, get to know the person, to see if this is even a person that you wanna be able to exchange that level of energy with. Now, obviously this may be an old school concept. But, you know, there is this old rule of thumb from back in the days, like, fellas, you don't want to sleep with a woman that you won't want to have your child. Because, you know, you could actually procreate with the wrong woman, and now you got her in your life for 18 to 20 years, if not for a lifetime. So the gauge is, <laughs> if, if she's not mother material, because, remember, biology dictates that every time you have sex and you're ejaculating, you know, condoms break and all this, you know, people got workarounds, you know what, but condoms break. If the woman is not at the level that you would want, you would be proud to have her be the woman that brings in the most sacred gift that you can give this planet, which is a, which is a child, then that says a lot right there. And if you're over, overriding that because you want what you want, just understand there's a back-end swing to that, that karmic choice that you made. And a lot of babies have been made. And I'm speaking from my own experience. I got married when I was super young. I got married at 21, would not recommend it. And, uh, you know, I procreated, I pro, pro, procreated a child, which I absolutely love. Don't get me wrong. Give me beautiful grandbabies, which I love too. But if I'm being real with y'all, there are two different types of wills in the and uh, God's wills. One is the, the permissive will. Permissive will. The other will is the perfect will. Now, the perfect will is in perfect alignment with what the Creator has for you. The permissive will is when you are so determined that I'm gonna be with Leroy regardless, even after God has warned you and has 
tried to block that and you just keep at it. You keep at it. Because we have free will, at some point God's going to be like, okay, <laughs> I'm going, the permissive will is I'm going to let you go into that bear trap, but I, don't act like I ain't trying to warn you. And we have to be sophisticated enough in our intuition to know what is our permissive will when God is just like, okay, I try to warn you, but go ahead now because free will is yours. And what's the perfect will? When it's the perfect will, it is going to be for the highest good of you and everybody involved. So I made a baby. I was very young when I did that. And it was God's permissive will because in hindsight, I had plenty of warnings that this woman was not the woman I should be with long term. And ultimately, after a decade of relationship and being married, that marriage dissolved by her doing which is why I'm saying exactly what I'm saying to you. I'm only speaking to you from experience. So when you're moving and operating out here, you better understand if you're in God's perfect will or in God's permissive will, because there is a big difference and the outcomes are completely different. I love that. And my final question is, you did a video on Instagram. I think you took it from one of your challenges, and um, and I need some help with the context of it. But I just remember the, I just remember remembering it. You know how sometimes you hear things, you're like, oh, I gotta save that for later. So I remember you had mentioned something about, and I could be wrong here. Please correct me when I get it wrong. You said something along the lines of sexual detoxing. You said something. You were talking to men primarily at the time and you were like, hey, you know, this pornography, you know, this is you might need to take a break from that and detox. And he said, but women, y'all are y'all have y'all own things using them vibrators and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the video I'm talking about? Uh, I don't remember that video, but I remember that I've had this conversation so many times. I, I know I know the gist of the conversation. Yes. I would like you to expound on what you were trying to say, because it wasn't in a way where it was preached, where you were like, hey, put down that vibrator, put down that pornography. But you were using it to say that it was some type of detriment. And I'm trying to remember sure. the context. No worries. Okay, so this goes for men and women. And just by the way, like in the Tantra Challenge, I actually have a whole video. It's two videos. No, it's two or one. I think it's one long video where I'm talking about why, um, why, what pornography does to the brain. So here's a really interesting fact. Women actually consume more pornography than men. And uh, everyone has heard of Pornhub, right? Mm -hmm. They actually release, a, a, it's a powerful scientific study. They actually pull all types of data and they have an annual report that they share. And they show the users, they show what women are looking at, they show the searches that men are looking at, and by far, women consume more pornography than men do, multiple times a day. So there is this, there is this misconception that men are the largest consumers of pornography. That's not true. I, I, where I, Women are the biggest consumers of free pornography. So like all these little websites where you can have these memberships, and men are buying that shit. Because the guilt and shame, so they got to hide. That's what that's all that, that's about. But free pornography websites, women, more women are using pornography than men. But here's the problem. There, there are circuits in our brain. One, and, and Maria, you probably will understand this because you understand things like dopamine, oxytocin, and all these things. Mm -hmm. the, those, are, those, are hormonal, uh, those are hormones that are released in the body for a moment's notice. Right, so a dopamine is activated in our body system anytime we are we engage in anything new. 
So anytime we're having sex, anytime we get a new job, anytime we get a new iPhone, anytime we get anything new, dopamine is released into the brain. It's like a gas. And it's like the love drug. You're all high. You're just so excited. That's why everybody usually is always excited about anything new that they get. They get a new car. And when they get the new car, what do they say? Hey, you can't bring no french fries in here. You can't eat my car. And then over time, people have all types of crap in the car. The car used to get washed and be pristine, and now the car is all junky, right? Right. So everybody always likes anything that's new. And it's because it's a, it's a trigger in our brain that dopamine is released, and we feel high. That's why love in the beginning is always so great. And that's why when the dopamine wears off, which is, depending on the person, could be two months up to 24 months, the, the honeymoon phase or the newlywed phase of a relationship is 24 months, exactly correlation to when dopamine usually wears out in a relationship. And then people start to see who the real person is, and then they find out that usually more often than not, that that person's not a match for them. Why didn't they see that in the beginning? Because of dopamine. So all that to say is that every time you log on to pornography, you're giving your brain a hit of dopamine. It actually is, 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 and it's a constant burst of this energy and this surge in the brain, in the brain, in the brain. And it actually starts to fry nodes in the brain because the brain is not used to, not used to being, receiving that much stimulation all the time. So the brain can handle like bursts of things. As an example, like fear is a healthy thing because our ancestors, we, when we saw a saber-toothed tiger, we knew we needed to run, right? So that's for a temporary, temporary moment until we can get away from danger. But what we see now in our society is that why we have so many people that are so anxious is because that, that, that fear is firing off all the time. And people's nervous systems is burnt out. Like they don't know how to turn it off. And being in a constant state of fear all the time will have you, uh, will put you in a state of severe anxiety. So the circuits are fried because the, the system is never designed to, to be getting a constant charge of fear. It's only designed to get a burst of fear until there's no more fear and then it goes relaxed. That's why we have two nervous systems. We have the sympathetic nervous system when we're in fear all the time and we have our normal um, uh, system which is our parasympathetic nervous system. That's when we're calm, that's when we're relaxed. So that's our natural state. Our sympathetic only comes out when there's a real threat, a real danger. But the problem is when people are thinking about anxiety, it's, it's thought-based. So the more they think about the worst outcomes, the more anxious they get. And they never are able to turn their nervous system back into the parasympathetic state, its natural state. So it fries the circuitry. Very much the same way that when we are getting constant hits of pornography and we're constantly getting this stimulation, we are frying our brains, like scientifically. And then one of the interesting things about the Pornhub uh, results is it's, it's, it kind of shows like where people like start out with like simple searches, right? Like man meets girl. And then over time, because the body now, the brain needs so much more stimulation because you keep frying it because you never turn it off. Now you start looking for stranger searches. Two guys and a girl. 
then they get weirder then. You know, two guys, a girl, and, and a short person. And two guys, and a girl, and a, and, a, and a pony. Like, And it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And it's because of the levels of stimulation. You have over, overstimulated the system, and it wants more and more and more. Over time, that becomes very unhealthy. And there is a direct correlation to the consumption of pornography and people's inability to connect and have true intimacy and love. Because most of these guys that I'm working with now, they grew up with smartphones in their pocket at eight years old. They had access to porn sites at eight. I came up in an era where we had girly magazines and we have to like hide under the bed to look at Penthouse and Playgirl and Hustler. That was what we had. But now kids got it on their phone. They have free access anytime they want. And, and now we have these men that don't know how to make love to a woman in a proper way because all they've learned, their sex education has come from a porn site. So there's a massive distortion around that. But also women are using a lot more pornography than men. And that goes to talk about the lack of intimacy and the lack of chemistry that they may have in their partner or the lack of adventure, the lack of arousal. And this is why men have to learn how to cultivate arousal energy in their relationship and, and, and always have like an element of surprise for the woman in the love in the natural lovemaking session, you know, and uh, and learn what the healthy balance is that for, for, for her and for him. Now, as it relates to vibrators and why that is so detrimental to women is because. There is a there's a concept. Now, I'm talking energy fields here. So there's a concept that's called armoring. So when you're using a vibrator that moves at such a fast pace, it actually desensitizes your clitoris, your vulva, like wherever you may be placing it, but definitely in the clitoris. And then women wonder why, when they are having natural sex with a natural penis, that the stimulation doesn't feel the same because they've overstimulated their clitoris on their own that no man can meet up to that. No man. And what it does is it desensitizes and like all those nerve endings, there's like 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris. 8,000. Every time you put every time you put a vibrator there, you're deadening your own your own nerve endings. So you can't feel anything. And women wonder why they're not having sex. I mean, they're not having orgasms. It isn't just that. A lot of it's a lack of connection, but I can promise you there have been so many women that have gone through my challenge and they like literally have cried on the phone with me that Jason, I cannot believe I have damaged myself like this. And then the work is to de-armor, to bring sensitivity, to bring healing back into that area so they can feel what they deserve to feel on a nat- in a natural way. So the more stimulation that you have, the more rubbing, the faster you put that thing on level six, that thing is just going away. What you don't realize is every time that you do that, you are lessening the chances of you having a natural clitoris orgasm from a natural, pure sexual encounter. And there is no man on the planet that can beat that Roger Rabbit thing that you're using. So you have to decide, do you want a healthy sexual experience or do you want a placebo that actually is deadening your sensitivities from the inside out? And I don't know why anybody would want that. But obviously, sex sells, so they keep coming out with these devices and they, they have these big festivals where people go every year and these big, um, you know, they have them in Vegas where you come and all these, these new sex toys are out. Here's the thing. 
I have had people come into my challenge. They're into bondage, they're into this, they're into that, they're into these sex toys. When they finally start to do their healing work, because all of those are reaches because there's some healing that you're not doing, you're side skirting your healing. But when they settle down and they just remove that stuff, they strip it away, and they start to do their healing work, they're like, Justin, I will never pick up that thing again. I will never log into Pornic. Why do I need that? That you have to restore the true nature between men and women or whatever your sexual preference is. It doesn't really matter to me. But what I'm saying to you is, if you have a high need for toys and gadgets, there is a strong probability that you have never had love, you have never received lovemaking properly, you have never been with a skilled partner, and you're opting out for these little cheap gimmicks instead of really tapping in and experiencing true love and connection at its deepest level. And all I can say is you are selling yourself out supremely short by doing that. And there are two paths that you can take in the world. You can follow the crowd or you can, you can travel the path less, less traveled and have a more fulfilling life. And what I'm suggesting to you is that those gadgets are really getting in the way of true intimacy and a lot of true healing that can happen. And what you want to do in the world is when the world, listen, <laughs> when, the world, when the world is standing up, you should sit down. When the world is sitting down, you should stand up. And what that means is when you are following what a lot of people are doing, you're about to wreck somewhere. And what you want to do is follow the path least traveled. Create your own path. Go your own way. Explore and have your own discoveries because that's what you came into this life to live. You did not come here to be a follower of somebody else. And you have to have discernment and understand what practices are really healthy for you and which ones are not. In anything sex gadget toy related will never supersede a true heart-to-heart eye-to-eye connection. And as we are moving more into the world of the metaverse and all these placebo, now they got sex robots out in Asia and these men are making love. To, well, they're not making love. They're, they're screwing these robots and they're not even real people anymore. The more that the world is moving to that, there's going to be a, a small part of the population that's moving back to a healthy to a healthy practice, to a healthy place, to a healthy connection. And I would just encourage you to to move to the healthier side so that your life and your sexual experiences can be healing and healthy and enjoyable and pleasurable like you have never experienced before. And you have to believe that that's available to you. You don't have to believe that these are the ways because this little pink thing or this little thing or this and that, because that's what everyone's doing. You don't follow the crowd, man. You will wreck every time. I promise you that. So that was a very good answer. We have been talking for three hours and 40 (laughs) minutes. I I, I only think Dick Gregory's interview was longer than this. And we had to cut down like six hours of footage. So congratulations, Jasper. That's what happens when you just go with the flow. I didn't even look at the clock. I I feel like an hour. 
I love it. I love it so much. It's such a good interview, and I want to make sure that because normally I would split this up in two parts, but I'm going to keep it into one just long play so that people can All really right. digest and chew into this. But I want to go back to your your tantrum challenge. Yep. Enrollment is open right now, and when does it close? It closes on the 16th of, of January because we start officially on Monday the 17th. So we have an opening ceremony the, the evening of the 16th. That's where the tribe gathers on a Zoom call. And we cover admin stuff. I just want to make sure everyone's minds, heart and clear and everyone's got the materials and everyone's sorted because I, it's important for me that we all travel together in a group. And I want to make sure everybody has all their answers. They got everything that they need. If they have any stick points or questions. We address that on Sunday evening because when we wake up Monday, it's go time for 30 days. Okay, so right now we're working on getting this interview out by Monday. That is on the 10th. So you will have until the 16th? Correct. You have until next Sunday, y'all, to sign up. Now, uh, Jocelyn said you can find him on Instagram at Far Eyes Studios with an S art. But I found the link where you can actually um, join directly. I'm going to put that as well as his Instagram in the show notes. Now, Jocelyn, do you have any other ways that people can get in touch with you? Well, you know, my primary website is, is listed on the, on, on the uh, Instagram too, but uh, my official website is Learn with Jocelyn. So that's L E A R N, learn with, and that's spelled out W I T H, Jocelyn, J A H S U N, learn with Jocelyn.com. All right, so we have the Instagram, we have the Sancho Challenge, we have the the learnwithjocelyn.com. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the people before we get off the line for us today? Well, yes. One, Maria, I'd like to say thank you for inviting me on. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. I've had so much fun. Thank you to everyone who has submitted questions. Thank you for your curiosity and your openness. Um, you know, definitely if you're interested in the Tantra Challenge, join sooner than later because we always fill up when space is limited. We'd love to have you. We'd love to be able to grow with you. And uh, whatever path you take in life, you know, do your best to just take the one that's least traveled, the one that's most true to you, and um, you'll have success in life. And I believe that's true for you. And I'm wishing you nothing but the best. And if there's any way that I can serve you, whether it's about Tantra or anything, um, don't hesitate to find me. I'm here to serve. All right, so you have heard it first. Exclusively, I would like to thank um, <laughs> Justin regarding who he is, his purpose in life, and how he heals and helps people create transformative experiences for their life. And I do want to thank you, Justin, for your work. I want to thank you for your art. I want to thank you for your being, your existence, and your ability to teach, your ability to articulate properly. I really do appreciate that. And I know that all comes from a love of um, well, first off, a connectedness to something much greater as well as a pure love for people. So thank you for your service as well. Thank you, Queen. I appreciate you. You're welcome. So, y'all, this has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Remember, if you want to get in touch with me, I am Spiritual Homegirl everywhere. Literally, the one, the only, the original. And if you want to sign up for the text list, you can text the word homegirl10 to 81493 or click the link in my show notes. Or you can sign up for my email list through my show notes as well. So, 
I will be working on some things. Well, I'm already done with it. I just got to launch it. At this point, we'll be in touch um, with the text club. They're going to find out first, the text in my email list about what's been going on. Y'all know I'm in school. I got 15 more weeks until I graduate. Thank God. So I wanted to hurry up and get some of this stuff off my chest because I've had ideas sitting in my head for years. And I, and I don't like to move unless spirit tells me to move. But now that spirit said, hey, girl, it's time to structure, um, we're ready. So stay tuned for that. Again, text and email list. We'll find out first because, again, I'm only interested in those who want to work with me on a much deeper level i know on instagram like i said in the previous episode social media is a little fickle because sometimes people follow for various reasons sometimes they're trying to fill you out sometimes they don't really um want to fill you out they're just kind of there to kind of just watch some other people are going to be nosy some folks hey watch whatever it is but i'm really about focusing and zeroing in on those that are sure so to be very clear that's why i always make an emphasis on making sure that my text and my email list get everything first as those are the ones that are most tapped in and most interested in what um what I'm doing here with Spiritual Homegirl. So with that being said, um, I think that is everything. So this has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. My name is Maria. And remember, trust the journey and trust yourself, okay? Keep everything pure with love and it will work out the way it is destined to work out, all right? Love y'all. Peace. This episode has been produced by producer extraordinaire Jason Trachademics Valerio. 